0: chapter 43 of geographical reader europe by frank g carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b chapter 43 naples and mount vesuvius the italians have a saying see naples and die for they say you will then have seen the most beautiful city of the world and indeed it is beautiful the sky is almost always bright and it is nowhere brighter than at naples The Mediterranean is almost always blue, and at the Bay of Naples its color is glorious. The city, as it rises about the bay, tier above tier, seems a city of palaces. There are hazy blue mountains behind it, and south of it is the great brown volcano of Vesuvius, with its steaming cone standing out against the blue sky. But let us see how it looks in the city itself. We leave our hotel and climb up through the streets. Many of them are steep and we are always going up or downhill. The high buildings are close to the sidewalks and the streets are so narrow that in places the walls shut out the sun. They are not overclean and in some streets the smells are offensive. The people live in flats or apartments and in the poorer quarters of the city whole families dwell in one room. What curious things the people do on the streets. We see men and women sitting down on the pavements making their toilets. There is a woman combing her hair and here is one washing her baby. There is a cobbler at his bench soling a pair of old shoes and beside him a tailor is working away. What a lot of children there are everywhere. There are two babies sprawling on the edge of the gutter. Here comes a boy of eight driving a donkey and there is another with a can in his hand pulling along two milk-goats from door to door he is one of the little milkmen of the city and is probably helping his father whom we see with those goats farther on there are donkeys carrying all sorts of things here comes one loaded with fruit and behind are two others ridden by boys the donkeys are not bigger than newfoundland dogs and their ears are almost as long as their legs many of the neapolitan boys have their own donkeys as our boys sometimes have ponies do you like roasted chestnuts there are men selling them here on almost every block they have little furnaces and basins of charcoal on which they roast chestnuts out in the streets we pass fruit stands every now and then and buy delicious pears for ten cents a dozen and oranges two for a cent see the crowd of men and women about that cook stand they are buying roast sausages and stewed macaroni Italy is famous for its macaroni, and quantities of it are exported to our country every year. See, there is a man eating some now. He twists his fork around and around in the dish and takes a great mass of it in at one gulp. He does not cut it, but sucks in the long strings until the whole has gone down his throat. Suppose we visit one of the factories and learn how macaroni is made. Such factories are to be seen in all parts of Italy for macaroni forms a large part of the food of the people it is made in different sizes and shapes sometimes in long strings sometimes in pipes as big around as your finger and sometimes in sticks about as thick as a knitting needle the finer kinds are called vermicelli and spaghetti we see the tubes of white dough drying on the racks in front of the factory and when we go in find a score of men and boys hard at work each boy is so covered with flour that his dark rosy face looks almost ghastly in contrast with his sparkling black eyes he is in his bare feet and his sleeves are rolled up to his shoulders the men are mixing the flour into dough and kneading it with great bars so fastened to hinges that they can press the dough down on the table after it is thoroughly kneaded they carry it to a cylinder in which there are many small holes so arranged that it can be pressed through them it comes out in long pipes or sticks which the boys carry to the racks in the sun or to the hot drying rooms which some factories have for the purpose let us stroll on down to the bay it is filled with shipping for naples is the chief port of the italian peninsula and its harbor is one of the finest of europe the city is as big as st louis and has a vast trade with all parts of the mediterranean with northern europe and with north and south america it also does a great business in fish and in coral and sponges it has many fishing vessels and its people go fishing not only in the mediterranean but out to the atlantic and elsewhere but the most interesting thing about naples is not in the city itself it is the great volcano outside only a short drive away vesuvius is the only active volcano on the continent of europe and it is one of the most interesting volcanoes of the whole world it is early morning when we start out to explore it the first part of our journey is in a carriage driven by a neapolitan coachman who cracks his whip every minute and keeps his team on the gallop we rattle out of the city over pavements of lava now almost running over a baby and now making the dogs howl as with drooping tails they leap out of our way we go through small villages of lava-built houses by vineyards and gardens walled with lava and then up through foothills of volcanic sand until we enter a region which is all bare brown lava there is lava everywhere and in all sorts of shapes we pass through seas and rivers of lava which once flowed like fire but which now are cold and dead and as we look up see a column of steam hanging like a gigantic umbrella over a brown lava mountain the volcano of vesuvius the mountain is perfectly bare there is not a bit of grass to be seen anywhere it is all lava ashes and volcanic sand the road going up winds in and out until it at last becomes so steep that we must leave the carriages and mount donkeys when about two thousand feet above the sea we reach the observatory where instruments are kept to register the movements of the mighty volcano how the earth rumbles it was shaking as we rode up on our donkeys and here by the instruments we can see just what motion is going on away down in the heart of the mountain the director of the observatory informs us that vesuvius is always more or less active but that there is no present danger he describes the first recorded eruption telling us how a little more than eighteen hundred years ago the volcano was covered with farms the slopes being cultivated almost to the top then there were vineyards all over the land where the lava and ashes now are and hot springs on the edge of the mountains where the rich romans came for their health and for sport there were beautiful towns on the plains nearby, and among others the two fashionable resorts of pompeii and herculaneum pompeii contained about twenty-five thousand people it was a rich resident city and its inhabitants had beautiful homes temples and theatres the rich were living in fine style giving parties and dinners and driving about in their chariots with gay prancing horses the poor were at work at their trades the merchants were selling goods in the stores the children were going to school and all sorts of business were being carried on when one day without warning the great mountain burst forth Sending vast volumes of steam, ashes, burning rocks, and mud high into the air. There were so many ashes that they darkened the sun and turned the day into night. Even at Rome, hundreds of miles to the northward, the sun was hidden. The people thought that the end of the world had come and that an age when it would be always night had set in. At the same time it rained mud and rivers of boiling hot mud flowed out of the crater down over the plain the horses sheep and cattle which were pasturing there were drowned the fields the vineyards and gardens were covered and in the towns even the tallest buildings were soon buried they all disappeared and the region became a great plain of ashes and mud as time went on new towns grew up on the plains and crops of all kinds were raised there the buried cities were blotted out of the memory of man as the volcano had blotted them from the face of the earth so it remained until little more than a hundred and fifty years ago when a peasant who was digging a well struck his spade against a statue he dug it out and soon it was found that there was a city down there buried under the earth the government of italy took possession of the place and for years it has had men at work unearthing the city the scholars began to investigate the history of the region and it was found that the site of the lost city of pompeii had been discovered the great eruption occurred in the latter part of the first century of our era and for a long time thereafter the volcano lay quiet during the eighteenth century there was another terrible eruption and in eighteen twenty two the whole top of the mountain burst off and formed a great chasm three miles in circumference and about half a mile deep since then other eruptions have caused streams of lava to flow out of the crater until now vesuvius seems to be only a vast mass of lava rock sand and ashes leaving the observatory we again mount our donkeys and make our way up the mountain at last we reach the station from where we are to ride up to the crater by rail the railroad is a little like the one up pike's peak but more like one of our cable car lines the track has three rails one in the center which supports the weight of the car and others at each side for the guiding wheels which keep the car from jumping the track the cable attached to the car runs around a wheel at the top of the mountain and is moved by an engine at the station below the sides of the car are open and we get a magnificent view of the mediterranean as we rise through the volcanic sand up the steep mountain we go rapidly upward and at last we stop near the crater over four thousand feet above the sea here we hire other guides and pick our way over the thin coating of lava to the mouth of the volcano the air is hot and full of sulphur fumes we cough and hold our handkerchiefs to our faces in a vain effort to keep out the fumes the wind is blowing the steam away from the crater and we walk carefully over the crust and look down into a vast pit walled with yellow sulphur in the bottom of which a lake of fire is seething sending up steam ashes brimstone and rocks now it seems to be quiet and now it bursts forth throwing stones high up into the air they fall back and we can hear them splash away down there in the crater but now the wind changes it is rising into a gale and the stones are falling almost at our feet our guides drag us back and hurry us away for fear we may all be killed by the burning hot stones this is only a gentle eruption When the great outbursts occur, the noise is like that of a battle, and rocks weighing many tons are shot upwards for hundreds of feet. About fifty years ago, twenty sightseers were killed where we now stand, by a sudden eruption of lava, pieces of rock being thrown a mile high. At such times the steam rises to a height of more than two miles, and the whole mountain is covered by an umbrella of ashes and vapor, more than five miles in height how warm the earth is we dare not stand still we seem to be walking upon a hot stove we smell our shoes burning we bend down and touch the lava with our fingers but draw them away quickly smarting with the heat one of the guides asks us to look at the cracks in the earth and we see golden streams of molten lava flowing through them under our feet he thrusts an iron rod into one of the cracks and brings out a lump of the red-hot metal He asks us for a penny, and he presses it into the mass with a stick. He then drops the lava off the rod into a bucket of water, which a boy has brought up. The water hisses and steams, but the lava soon cools, and the guide takes it out. Our penny is now embedded in the lava like a raisin in a bun, and we take it home as a relic. But see, the boy is pulling some eggs out of his pocket. He points to the water and offers to cook them for us. He rests the bucket over a wide crack where the molten lava is not far from the surface. The intense heat soon boils the water, and the eggs are cooked hard. We carry them with us back down the mountain and eat them with our lunch at the railroad station below, priding ourselves that we are among the few Americans who have eaten eggs cooked on a volcano. We then ride back to the carriages and drive over the plain to the site of the once buried city of Pompeii there is a great wall about it made of the ashes and stones which have been already dug out and we find many boys and men digging and carrying the stuff out in baskets on their backs and their heads a large part of pompeii is already uncovered and we walk through streets walled with the curious buildings which were blotted out by vesuvius eighteen hundred years ago the earth and ashes have so preserved the buildings that they look to-day almost as they did at the time of the eruption the roadways are paved with stone and in some of them we can see the ruts made by the wheels of the chariots we walk through the amphitheatre where the people had their shows and sit down on the marble seats of the bathhouses where the boys of pompeii sat when they had finished their baths centuries ago we wander about through the houses peopling them with their old roman owners many buildings are of brick and many of stone they are nearly all of one or two stories and some are very large they had wooden roofs which were burned off by the ashes many of the houses have walls covered with paintings and in some beautiful statues in bronze and marble were found some had fine paintings and all sorts of beautiful things in metals and carvings the floors of many were formed of different colored stones fitted together in mosaic pictures and the latin word salve or welcome was carved over their doors while in one entrance floor there was a mosaic picture of a fierce dog gnashing his teeth and tugging at a rope as though he wished to get at you while at his feet were the words cave canem or beware of the dog we are interested in the business parts of pompeii where there are streets of shops with marble counters where the merchants were selling their goods when the mighty volcanic flood came we peep into a public bake oven in which black loaves of burnt bread were found when the mud and ashes were first dug away we see casts of men women and children and even of dogs made by pouring plaster of paris into the holes which their bodies formed in the ashes and when we again visit the museum of naples we are shown cooking utensils toilet articles rings earrings and bracelets fish hooks and knives and thousands of other articles of every description all in common use among these people when without warning they were destroyed by the ashes and boiling mud of the terrible mountain End of chapter forty three